Hey, good morning, Antioch Church. It is awesome to see you today. Uh, great to be here and uh, see all of your faces. I'm excited to, to be a part of this body. My wife and I started attending here about a, a year ago. And uh, I just want to say to each of you how encouraging it is to be a part of a church that is chasing after God and hungry for God. I mean, that is, it's a, don't take that for granted. You know, I mean, I've sp spoken at a number of churches and, and it's like, Man, where is the joy of the Lord? You know, Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. He conquered the grave. He defeated death. Like, yo, let's praise God, you know. And I just appreciate the spirit, the heart of this place, um, each one of you. In fact, can we just give it up for our worship team and thank God for everything that they do? Um, yeah, Chris and the team and the rest of you, uh, man, praise God. Well, as Jordan said, my name's John uh, West. Uh, it's my beautiful wife, Katie, and three of my four girls. I've got four girls, right? No boys. I don't know what I would do with boys at this point in my life. I see little boys running around. I'm like, yeah, I don't even know what I would do uh, with boys, you know. In fact, anybody else here have four girls, just out of curiosity? All right, let's, let's get that support group started, all right? Let's get that support group started. Uh, but I have a great family um, that all love the Lord. And, uh, you know, our background is in church planning. We had an opportunity to plant a church in Dallas, Texas, uh, back in 2006. A lot of you are from Texas, and then also in uh, Des Moines, Iowa in 2010. So we are church planners at heart, absolutely. And then in 2020, we launched a nonprofit called Groundswell. And basically, it's a ministry that comes alongside pastors and leaders, uh, districts, denominations, national organizations. We try to help mobilize people uh, to make disciples, to pioneer new works, uh, to take the gifts God has given them and get it out in the community. So that's what we've been doing for the last year, year and a half or so. And I'm super privileged to be able to be here today. Because if you said, like, what drives you? What excites you? What do you, you know, love to do? I would say it would be to inspire and mobilize people to expand God's kingdom, right? Around the world. Because our world is burning right now. I mean, I don't know if you noticed that. Our world is shaking right now. And uh, so anyway, that's kind of a little bit about us. And I want to share with you today, uh, Andrew asked if I would just take a minute and, you know, what's God put on your heart? What do you want to share with, with the body? Just pray about it. And it could be anything. And so I really did. I took that seriously. I'm like, Lord, where do you want me to go today? And I think that where God wants us to go today is Hebrews chapter 12. So I'm going to invite you to turn there to Hebrews chapter 12. Oftentimes when... We think about Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, we come to the first few verses. That's typically um, probably where you've spent most of your time in Hebrews chapter 12. This passage of scripture actually is one that I have never heard preached before in my life. And I grew up in the church. I've probably heard 2,000 sermons in my lifetime. I was adding up the math. I have never heard a sermon preached on this passage because we're not going to be at the first few verses. We're actually going to be at the last few verses of Hebrews chapter 12. So I'm going to have you stand with me. Go ahead and stand. And let me read this for you. Hebrews 12, 25. <clears throat> See to it 
that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused the God who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from the God who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Man, somebody say amen to that. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the fact that we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And Father, I pray that you would speak through this passage, that your spirit would speak through the words of this passage to not only encourage us, Lord, in the midst of the shaking, but God, also to understand that the people around us are shaking and they've built their lives on sinking sand. And so, Lord, I pray this would be both an encouragement and some inspiration, Lord, to take your kingdom and expand it across Indianapolis and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the title of my message today is Get Ready for the Shakedown. <laughs> Get ready for the shakedown. If I was like in East Indy right now, I would say, come on, somebody. All right. Get ready for the shakedown. Um, because there is a shaking that's happening in our society right now. Uh, financial systems and institutions are being shaken. You know, um, Hospitals are being shaken. The medical community is being shaken. The education system is being shaken. Um, I'm a part of, we live in Fishers. And, you know, if you all understood the shaking that's happening in our education system right now and what's going on in the community and the division that's taking place and all of that, political systems are being shaken. Like a lot of things are being shaken in our world right now. And what I want to share with you today is this whole idea that, you know, a shakedown is not a fun thing, but sometimes a shakedown is necessary in order for us to realize some things. And when I think about a shakedown, to be quite honest with you, I think about like a mafia boss or something like that, like a godfather. And he's like, hey, yo, you know, Louis, uh... Yo, you need to go get that money, so, uh, you know, do what you need to do, you know, that kind of thing. Like, it's a shakedown, and a shakedown is not fun, right? Hey, use some muscle on the guy and get what you need to get, but a shakedown sometimes is necessary. So I want to give you a definition of what I mean when I say a shakedown. A shakedown is when you shake something to find out what is hidden, a shakedown is when you shake something in order to find out what is actually hidden, what's actually underneath it all. Because until you're shaken, honestly, you just don't fully know exactly where you stand. So let me just say this by way of illustration. Uh, last year, before the pandemic hit, I was traveling back from, from Canada on a speaking engagement and I decided I was in the airport that I would buy uh, some Canadian maple syrup, okay? 
if the Canada flag has a maple leaf on it, if that is the most important thing in Canada is the maple leaf, then I wanted to buy some syrup. And so I grabbed a bottle of syrup. It was about $18, to be quite honest with you, uh, in the airport. Anybody here notice, like, in the airport, prices just have no concept of reality uh, at all? So I bought this bottle of syrup, and I was getting ready to go through... um, Customs or whatever it was, I was at the Toronto International Airport, and as I came through airport security, uh, you know this thing? Uh, I came through airport security, and the person had me come to the side, and dude frisked me. I have not been frisked in a while. I don't enjoy being frisked, and it was like a heavy frisk. Like, it was really like, you know, all the way down, and I just felt a little bit violated, a little bit shaken. I sit over to the side, and here comes my, my carry-on luggage. And my carry-on luggage came in, and a lady grabbed it and took it aside. And I'm like, hey, whoa, that's my, my luggage. And she put on the gloves, and she started to open it up, and she started going through my stuff, like my personal things, my underwear, my T-shirts, you know, all of that. And she grabbed the syrup, and she looked at it, and she said, what is this? Uh, it's maple, maple syrup, you know? Okay, and she waited, and she examined it. She opened the top. She poured a little out. She tasted it, and I was like, yo, it's maple syrup, not napalm or something. Dude came with a boot, put my head to the ground, tasers out, all right? No, that didn't actually happen, um, but it felt like it was about to happen. It was like I was shaken, and my question for you is, have you ever been shaken? Like, have you ever had something happen in your life uh, where you were just shaken, like shook up? I mean, I had a time when um, one of my girls over here was just really little. She was like two years old. And uh, we were wrestling on the floor, just having some fun, and she hit her head. And immediately her eyes started to do like this. And she started having a seizure. And I remember as a new father, I, I picked up my girl and I looked at her and I held her head to my chest and I looked at her and her eyes just kept going like this and I started to get shook up. And I said, hey, Katie, uh, we need to call 911. I'm not sure what's happening. I walked into the living room and her eyes are just going like this. I'm like, Katie, Katie, I don't know what's happening. And I was just shaking. And I remember a time when I was in my 20s and on a spring break trip with a bunch of college friends. We were on the beach and one of them, I'm from Iowa, so wrestling's a big deal. And one of them was a wrestler and he said, hey, let's wrestle. You know, we started wrestling on the beach and he got me in a DDT hold and he came down on the sand. But unbeknownst to both of us, there was a jagged rock right underneath and my head cracked open literally like a melon and blood and hair and it's just coming down my face and it's all over my body and I have to be honest with you there's not too many times I thought I was going to die I literally thought I am going to die like I thought my brains were coming out and I was just like I was shaking and I remember time like five years ago as a pastor when I was going through what I would describe as the valley of the shadow of death in my life personally, in my ministry, emotionally. I was in pain. I woke up one Sunday morning. I turned over to my wife and I said, I'm not going to church today. And I was the pastor. And I didn't go. And a three-month sabbatical later, to try to figure out what was wrong with me, I was absolutely shaken. And then 18 months ago, we took our little girl to the hospital 
because she was having some bruising on her legs and some bloody noses and some other things and found out she was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And five days later, we were in the ICU because she, her, her blood was septic and her liver was failing and we thought we were going to lose our little girl. And let me tell you, I was shaken. Have you ever been shaken? Anybody ever been shaken to the point where you weren't sure what was going to happen next? Has anybody had your faith shaken? Has anybody gone through a season of deconstruction or struggle or wonder like, God, where are you in all of this? But a shakedown is going to happen. It's happening around us. And my, my question for you is when you go through a shaking in life, the, the real question is not so much um, the shaking itself. It's what will remain after it's over. Will your faith be deeper? Will it be stronger? Have you built your life on the solid rock of Jesus or the sinking sand of everything else? And if you've built your life on finances and your finances get shaken and there's nothing left, then where are you at on the backside of that? So as we come to this passage, um, there's an interesting backdrop where the author is trying to contrast two types of kingdoms. And one kingdom is built on sand, and one kingdom is built on the rock. And so if you flip back in Hebrews chapter 12 uh, and go to like verse 18, I want to read for you out of the New Living Translation because this is kind of a dense passage. Uh, it's kind of heavy, but I think this will help us understand it a little bit more. Uh, verse 18. And, and understand the author is trying to contrast like Sinai and Zion. So there's Mount Sinai, Mount Zion. And they're sort of prototypes of two different kinds of kingdoms. So let's look at verse 18. Um, the author is saying, you have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible. I mean, it was so terrible. They begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches a mountain, it's going to have to be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling, all right? The brother last week said the fear of God is kind of like, like being surprised. And I was like, okay, well, uh, it's more than that. It's a lot more than that. If you don't have a mediator in your life, Jesus, you cannot stand under the presence of God. Like you, you cannot be in his presence. You're toasty. You're crispy. Like they, they understood that the fear of the Lord was a powerful thing. And, you know, when you have a million-plus Israelites gathered at the base of Mount Sinai and the entire mountain starts to rumble and shake and lightning and thunder and all the other things that happen, and you hear the voice of God, and you're in the midst of an earthquake. Listen, if you're in a thunderstorm, you can go inside. Tornado, get down to the basement. Anyone ever been in an earthquake? 
you go higher, you're going to fall longer. If you go deeper, you're closer to the source. Like, you cannot escape that. And what the author is trying to say is that whole image of Sinai represents this kingdom that can be shaken when the judgment and wrath of God comes upon a group of people. We know a few, few verses later, they built like a golden calf. The earthquake opened. I mean, it was bad. But then he says this. But you, Antioch Church, have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, verse 22, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come, man, this is the key, to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people. And to the sprinkled blood which speaks forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. So I want you to think about this for a minute. You know, Sinai was a desert. Zion was a city. Sinai was in Egypt, right? Zion is in heaven. Uh, Sinai was for Israel. Zion is for everybody. Moses was the mediator in Sinai. Jesus is the mediator of Zion. The, the Sinai was ratified by the blood of animals, but Zion is ratified by the blood of Christ. So these are two different kingdoms. We have a kingdom that can be shaken, and we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So the challenge for us is the fact that even though our inheritance is in heaven, in Zion, even though we know that through the blood of Christ, we are solid, like on a solid foundation of Jesus Christ, we are still here in a world that is shaking. And, and so we have this weird dynamic where we know it's going to shake. We know we're standing on solid ground, but we haven't yet arrived to Zion. So here's one thing I want to say to you. In this world, even though we have hope and a foundation, you don't get to choose whether you will be shaken or not. You will be shaken. We will be shaken. Persecution will come. The enemy is alive and well. Yes, there are things in this world that cause pain and suffering. People do die, all right? We live in a fallen world and we will be shaken. You don't get to choose whether or not you will be shaken. When you start to hear theology that somehow avoids suffering and avoids persecution and it's all like unicorns and lollipops and cotton candy and all that kind of thing, I would say you probably need to run away from that, uh, that theology. So we will be shaken in this world. The question is not whether you'll be shaken. The question is where will you be standing when the shaking happens, right? Are you going to stand on Jesus? There was this old song I used to sing back in the day. Uh, maybe you've sung it here. But on Christ the solid rock I stand, right? All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Then, you know, oh, hope is built. I mean, I'm not going to sing the whole thing. My hope is built on nothing less. And Jesus' blood and righteousness. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong, right? 
So, Sam, I'm going to have you jump up here, dude. Sorry, man. You didn't know this was coming. But... Come on. Come on up, Sam. Give, me, give Sam a hand. So, yeah. You all are clapping for Sam, but you don't know what's about to happen to Sam. So, uh, you don't either. Yeah. So, Sam is up here, and I just want to show you something uh, when it comes to Sam. Are you ready for this? Oh, I'm sorry, dude. I love you, man. I'm not going to hit you after this. Um, <clears throat> Sam... Sam didn't know in that moment that I was going to push him over, and that's okay. That's okay. But you all are going to be shaken, so I'm just telling you, Sam, I'm going to give it everything I have, and I'm going to try to knock you over. I'm not kidding. All right? We're going to do this right now. NFL draft was uh, this week, and, you know, I want to see some linebacker skills. So I'm going to try to shake Sam now that he knows he's going to be shaken. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Yes, so. Here we go. Come on. Come on, baby. Come on. All right. Not too bad. Not too bad. Have a seat, dude. It was the boots. It was the boots. In Ephesians 6, when we read all about spiritual warfare, hanging on to the armor of God and all that, at the very end of that, if you go to the end of that, it says, and when you've done everything else to stand. So we here at Antioch Church, I'm here to say, by the way, this sermon is like 25 minutes of introduction and five minutes of a sermon. All right, this is all introduction. Um, Antioch Church, I'm here to say, we are going to stand on the solid rock of Jesus, and it does not matter what shaking happens. We will be here after the shaking. We are not going anywhere. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And I'm just here to say to all of you, in your personal life, in the global world we live in, in our national politics, in our cities, in our schools, shaking is going to happen. Just expect it. However, make sure As you stand, you're standing on the right foundation of Jesus above everything else, and you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay, all right? I'm just telling you. My wife and I went through our drama with grace and everything else. Man, praise God, in two or three months, uh, she gets kind of her last chemo treatment, and we're believing by faith she'll be okay. But I'm just here to say, in the midst of that, the reason we were able to get through that is because we have, we have a Savior, Jesus, we can stand on. And I, can I just, I want to read something for you. And, <laughs> you know, sometimes we talk about Jesus and, and it's kind of like, yeah, 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 praise God. Yeah, Jesus, he's amazing, you know. Um, yeah, I love Jesus and I know he died for me and everything else. But can I just read a passage to you about Jesus that I think will cause you to sort of, no matter what you're going through, like I know a lot of you are going through shaking right now and you're you're having some hard times and maybe you're fearful and maybe there's things going on in your life that you're struggling with right now. But I feel like when that happens, we just need to get a fresh vision of Jesus Can I read something out of Revelation chapter 5? This is like my favorite part of the Bible. Um, John is like watching this vision unfold in heaven. And this huge mighty angel comes up. And he basically says, 
There is nobody that's going to open the seal and, and reveal the scroll. We have nobody. Nobody can do this. Like, we're hopeless. And I just want to read this for you. I don't think it's going to be on the screen. In fact, don't even put it on the screen. Just listen to what it says in verse 6. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, and they said, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood... You purchased for God people from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000, which is 100 million angels. Can you imagine this? Like 10,000 times 10,000. 100 million angels. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they said, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Woo! Right? I mean, that's Jesus. Like, that is who we worship. We worship that king where a hundred million angels like circle around and elders and the theatrics of all of that. I mean, I can't imagine John just like, whoa, the island of Patmos is actually not too bad now. I'm about to go to heaven, like to be in the midst of that. Like, you think you're shaking? Is that big a deal to God? Man, you, you... You don't understand the inheritance God has for you in heaven. You don't understand how glorious he is, how mighty he is, to where we can just count it all loss for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ like he is our king. Sorry, I got a little excited there um, with that. but Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. I love that. You know, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And let us worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Man, our God is a consuming fire. It doesn't matter what comes at me. It doesn't matter what comes at you. It doesn't matter what the enemy tries to do. It doesn't matter what our world experiences. It doesn't matter what happens. Let us just be thankful and worship God, like with reverence and awe. God is a consuming fire. He can take care of business, okay? That vision of heaven is God. Like that that is what Jesus is. That is who he is. And so Antioch Church, I want to say to you um, that 
this body of Christ will not be moved, okay? And everything I've shared up to this point, I want you to know that you stand on a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And if there was someone in this room today and you do not know Jesus and you have not put your like life in his hands and have not surrendered to Jesus Christ, can I just ask you a question? What are you thinking? I mean, you're trying to go through this life by yourself without a solid rock, building it on the seeking sand of the world with everything that's happened in our society over the last year or two, and you're going to try to build this life on yourself, on your own desires and wants, like build it on a foundation that's actually going to last, that's unshakable, that doesn't move, and a God who loves you and who died for you. I want to encourage you. And I don't say that to belittle anybody. I just say that to say, I want you to wake up today to the reality all around you. And to realize that your social media feed and your bank account and your image and your wardrobe and your job status, in the big scheme of things, like, that's not going to matter. So I say all of that to say, um, Antioch Church, like, we should be encouraged today. But I'm not really that concerned about you. I look at all of you and I know, you know, what's up, Faith? How are you doing? Like, I, how's it going, Trey? Like, I'm not worried about you. When we came to this church, uh, one of the things that Katie and I said is we're like, dang, there are a lot of awesome people here at this church, okay? Pass somebody on the back and say, you're awesome right now. Turn to them and just say, hey, you're awesome. You're pretty awesome, okay? Um, sorry, y'all have masks on, but... Like, I was talking to Andrew the other day. I'm like, dude, you've got some amazing people at this church. Like, you have some on-fire people. You have some worshipers. You have some folks that are experiencing that consuming fire. You have some people that are built on an unshakable kingdom. And then you know what I said to him? I said, where are all the lost people? I mean, like, where are they at? (laughs) Um. And I don't mean that like in a, in a mean way. I'm just saying a healthy church is when you have baby Christians and you have mature Christians and you have everything in between. Like a healthy church is a combination of inspiring worship, glorifying God, giving praise to his name. He is the all-consuming fire. We're built on an unshakable kingdom. You all have that. I really do believe you have that combined with a passion for lost people that goes deep into your bones that you will not be satisfied when you look around and see empty chairs. I really believe that. Now, I don't know this congregation well. I don't know enough of you well enough to maybe even say what I'm about to say. But I just want you to know that if there was an area we could grow and an area we could say, yeah, we need to, man, We need to go after that. It would be taking that passion we have for God and translating it 
to say we are going to reach lost people that are building their lives on a shaky foundation no matter what it costs. And we will not be satisfied for this place to sit empty. We will do whatever it takes and you will have to jump over my body to get to wherever we're going because we're going to lay down in traffic for lost people. I'm concerned not about you. I'm not concerned about you. You've built your life on an unshakable foundation. Praise God. You know who I'm concerned about? My neighbors, uh, my coworkers, friends, people that I know that don't know Jesus. I'm concerned about them. I'm, I'm concerned about the hundreds of cars that have passed by this church with people that have built their lives on an, a, a shaky foundation. People that have built their lives on like, you know, all sorts of things other than Jesus. People driving by this church right now that are in depression and anxiety and pornography and drug addiction. And they're trying to put their hope in everything but Jesus. And guess what? They're driving by the church right now. Like the 10 apartment complexes that surround this church where there's hundreds and thousands of people. And I've walked through some of these neighborhoods. People that are hopeless. People that don't have a foundation. People that don't know where to turn. People that are struggling. This afternoon, hundreds and thousands of people will walk through Castleton Mall trying to find a foundation in materialism and in other things and in friendship. And I'm here to tell you, like, I'm sorry. That's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it. Um, they're trying to establish a kingdom, but they don't have a king. Like, we have a king. So why do I say all of that? I say all that to you, and I'm going to invite the worship team uh, to come out, but I say all that to you because the mission of this church, I think, is to preach the gospel of the what? And to make others great. Oh, is that Andrew's personal mission statement to preach the gospel of the kingdom? Is that why this mission exists, so that one person can preach the gospel of the kingdom? I don't think so. I think the gospel of the kingdom, the unshakable kingdom, is for us as a body to preach and to make others great and to snatch people away and out of the, I'm telling you, the shaking that is coming in their life. I know sometimes, um, I got a friend in South Carolina, he's a southern guy, and whenever he gets hot, he always goes, now, preacher loves you. Now, preacher loves you, everybody. You know, I love you all, but I'm just here to say... What would it look like? Like, what would it look like if we actually lived out that mission? And every one of you saw yourself not as sheep to be shepherded, but as an army to be mobilized. Ooh, I like that imagery a lot better. You're not sheep to be shepherded. You're an army to be mobilized. And I believe God wants to take this message and I believe he wants to begin in your heart to mobilize you to say Lord what do I need to do to go what do I need to do to preach what do I need to do to be more bold how can I take this unshakable kingdom out to my neighbors my friends what do I need to do because the promise the promise is that if they did not escape when they refused the God who warned them on earth how much less if they turn away from the God who warns us from heaven promises once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heaven so here's what I want to say to you um, 
are the people that are going to reach your neighbors? I mean, who is, who is that? Who are the people that are going to actually, like, go into the apartment complexes and at the mall and actually proclaim the gospel of the kingdom? Who are those people? The Rotary Club? Think they're going to do it? Think they're, like, Kiwanis or something? Like, are they going to do it? The teachers at the schools, are they going to try to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom? No, that's our job. And so I want to encourage you with that. And I want to say to you, uh, who are the people? Who are the people that you can proclaim that gospel of the kingdom to? So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to have our prayer counselors come forward in a minute. And there's two things I want us to think about as we go to the Lord in prayer. Number one, if you do not know Jesus right now and you have built your life on sinking sand in this world, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to come forward and confess that to somebody and say, man, I want to get right with God. And Sam's going to come up afterwards and he's going to lead you in a prayer and some other things, but that's number one. But number two is this. And prayer counselors, go ahead and come forward. Number two is this. I want to give you 30 seconds to think about a person in your life right now that is being shaken and doesn't know Jesus. I want you to think about a person right now in your life that is being shaken and they don't know Jesus. And I want to give you about 30 seconds. I just want you to just scan your brain and say, Lord, who do I know that is lost? Who do I know that doesn't know you? And let God just put that face in your mind. Just take about 20 seconds. Who do you know that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, that's lost, that doesn't have a foundation? Just take a second. that name, that face on your heart and I want you to intercede on their behalf with one of these prayer counselors and I want you to just say, hey Jordan uh, I'm thinking about my neighbor Nick right now and man, he is as lost as they come. Can we just pray for Nick right now? Can you just pray for Nick? Hey, I'm thinking about my neighbor Betsy and she does not know the Lord or my co-worker and hey, I want to just pray for them. Can we pray for them? And, and let's just intercede on behalf of our lost and dying world if you have a prayer request or a need please come forward for that but let's just take some time and enter into a time of prayer whenever you're ready if y'all would stand whenever you're ready